Well, open your Bible to the book of John, the gospel account of John. And let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word today. We thank you for every heart that's receptive. Lord, every ear that's anointed to hear, we thank you for it. Lord, that we purpose in our heart today not just to be hearers only, but to be doers in Jesus' name. And everyone said, Amen. Amen. Do you know that that's who the people that are blessed in life are the doers? Not just the note takers. Not just the CD players or the Bluetooth players. Amen. I mean, I've got, a, I've got closets full of uh, cassettes and stuff. But, you know, that's not going to change my life if I, just because I have those things. It's going to change my life because I'm a doer and put it into practice. John chapter 3. I'm going to read one of the most famous popular verses that people that even are not even in church that they know these verses John chapter 3 and verse 14 says this and as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness even so must the son of man be lifted up that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have eternal life you know, even as we ministered yesterday to the, the precious people there in the retirement home, one of the things that we, we shared with them is the fact that the most important thing in life is to know Jesus as your Lord and Savior and to know the love of God. You know, one, one of the things, even as a believer, that you have to know is that God loves you. People say, well, yeah, I know that. You know, this I know for the Bible tells me so. You know, they sang it in VBS. <laughs> but, you know, it's more than just knowing, knowing that God loves me one time. Because I believe that any bit of fear in our lives, any bit of um, anxiety is actually uh, the fruit of not knowing that God loves me. But when I know that God loves me, he's caring for me, he's watching over me, I know everything's going to be okay. Amen. Say this, God loves, me. God loves me. You could actually say it like this, love loves me because God is love. One thing that we see in the Bible, there's three things we see God is. God is love. He doesn't have love, he is love. God is light, and God is life. So God himself is life. The Bible says that in him was life, and the life was the light of men. Do you know that, that word light means development? In him was life, and the life was the development of men. I can tell you, when, once I got born again, that life began to develop my mind. That life began to develop my mentality. It developed my spirit. It developed even over into your body. Why? Because the Bible says <clears throat> over in Proverbs 4, it says, attend to my words, incline thine ear to my sayings. There are life in those that find them and health and medicine to all their flesh. See, when we get God's word working in our life, it has a medicinal effect. Not just the words on healing. All the words. Even 
even the baguettes, even the, <laughs> all the way to the book of maps. But the Bible says here, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth in him. Do you think that there's more that we could get from this verse than we've ever seen? Or have we exhausted all of this? Have we exhausted all of what the Bible says here in verse 16? He says that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. Now we know that that, that's the same thing we were talking about zoe. The the Greek word zoe, God quality life. Because it's not just talking about living forever. They have that song, I'm going to live forever. Well, you know, every person is going to live forever. I mean, I, re- I remember being in PE class in like sixth grade, and they used to play that song. They'd bring the stereo out and play this song. Was it fame? I'm going to live forever. And, uh, well, here's the thing. Every person is going to live forever. Every person is going to live forever. Why? Because man is an eternal spirit. He's an eternal being that has one or two destinations. One being not God's will and the other being heaven, which is God's will for man, that, that he, he be in the presence of God, that he be born again, that he receive the life and the nature and ability of God to flow within him. And so that life comes into man to change him. And that life is the, is the love of God. And so one of the things we see about Jesus and his ministry is he, he came for two reasons. Number one, to reveal the Father God to people. He came to reveal the Father to mankind. But he also came to bring redemption. Which is what? The plan of redemption that people could be saved. But you know, the, the people that he ministered to, they really, they had a hard time seeing that. The Jewish, the Jewish people, they couldn't see God as a, as a loving Father. Why? Because... You know, here they were, they were in legalism and, and just all kinds of things. And they, they just had this cold, harsh, you know, many people today even have that. That God is some harsh, austere person who's, who's old. First of all, he's not old. He's been around a long time, but he's not old. He, uh, they, they see God as some, somebody with a big white beard. Sounding like Charlton Heston or something. And then... You know, he's got this big fly swatter, and he's ready just whenever you do something wrong, he's just going to swat you. But see, that's, that's not the God that we serve. <clears throat> and so here they were, they had this hard time of understanding. And, you know, even people today, maybe because of their background and, um, you know, maybe didn't have a, a father figure, they have a hard time seeing that. But once you're born again, that really is not an excuse for us. Can you say amen? Because we can get to know the Father God through the Word and through experience as well. And so the Bible tells us in the book of Romans that it's the goodness of God that leads us to repentance. The goodness of God. You know, you're never going to get people converted just by, by beating them on the head. You know, it's like this. If you... If you have an animal and, you know, people can mistreat an animal, you know, especially like a dog, you know, a, a dog will always come back. 
They'll, they'll, yeah, they'll love you to the very end. <laughs> but that doesn't mean that, that it's right or that doesn't mean that it's the correct way to, you know, to administer discipline or whatever. But that's just the way in their makeup that they are. You know, it's the same way, you know, when, when you respond, when someone loves you, what, what happens? People respond to that love. And so the Bible tells us God sent not his son into the world to condemn the world. You know, our message is not to condemn the world. You know, as it it goes on to say here, he that believes on him is not condemned, but he that believeth not is condemned already. You don't have to go condemn someone and say, you know what? You're, You're on your way to hell. Most people know they are if they're not right with God. You ask people, we, I mean, even as we've done some of these different outreaches and, and of course, through the years of praying for people and also the, the food distribution, you, you ask people, do you know for sure where you're going to go? And, and sometimes it's shocking because some people say, I know I would go to hell. Oh, you know, a lot of people say, well, you know, I believe I'm, uh, I know that um, my son last year, they were, he and his cousin were uh, over, um, just praying for people all on our street. It was last year or the year before. And, and someone down the street actually said this, and they said, um, you know what, um, do you know for sure if you go to heaven? Well, yeah, you know, because I, I, I take care of four, four-legged um, dogs. I thought, well, at least it's the four-legged, not just the three-legged ones. But that, that's, that's where people are at. You know, people think, well, you know, I'm a good, I'm a part of the humane society, and, you know, I just, I help people out. Well, you know, it takes a lot more than just helping animals out to, to go to heaven. <laughs> Can you say amen? amen? But he says, this is the condemnation that light is coming to the world and men love darkness rather than light because their deeds were evil. For everyone that doeth evil hates the light. How many know that that's, that's the way it is? People that don't want the truth, they don't want the light, they, they want to stay away from the light. Neither cometh to the light, lest his deeds should be reproved. But he that doeth truth cometh to the light, that his deeds may be made manifest, that they are wrought in God. So I want to come to the light. I want, I want my, my life to shine for the Lord. And, and I want it to be my prayer that, Lord, I don't care if it makes me look bad. I don't care what. You shine the light on my life. But how many know God's not out to embarrass you and he's not out to try to humiliate you do you know it would be real easy for God to overwhelm you God could just take the fullness of his glory and shine it right on your life boom just just a floodlight of his glory and you would just like oh God just take me out of my misery you know don't I I can't live any longer but God's not gonna do that he'll just show you this he'll show you one area in your life that needs to change but how many know there's more than just one area? But the Lord is so good. He'll say, um, I'll use you as an example again. <laughs> He'll say, Wayne, you know, there's, um, there's this area, this certain area you're doing so great. And, um, but there is this one area. And um, so he, he works on that one area. He gets it. Maybe it's his temper or maybe it's, um, you know, whatever, you know. And um, I'm just using this as an example. And so 
he, he gets that and he thought, oh, well, praise God, you know, I'm doing so much better now. And, and the Lord says, oh, you're, you're doing so great. There is one other area. Well, the Lord hasn't told him that there's 2,000 other areas that, that, that he has to work on. But see, God's not out to overwhelm you. You know, you don't do that with your kids, do you? You just take one thing at a time. <laughs> and so he says that you come to the light, that your deeds are manifest, that they're wrought in God. And so Jesus, we see in John chapter 14, he says this, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes unto the Father but by me. But I want to just tell you today, and, and, and many of you, of course, are born again, but you know, even as a born-again believer, things, the enemy can hold things over people's heads for years. You know, people can carry guilt in their life for decades. But let me say this. God is not holding man's sin against them. He laid our sins on Jesus. But what do we have to do? We have to come and receive the free gift that God's offering. We have to come and just say, Lord, I, I need forgiveness. I need healing. I need this. I need that. Why? Because the only sin, now I'm going to qualify this statement, but the only sin that sends someone to hell is rejection of Jesus Christ. Now, I'm not saying that, that sin is not important. Because the Bible talks in the book of Revelation, it, it has a, what we would call the who's who in hell. It talks about the fearful, the abominable, the unbelieving. See, a lot of people would think, you know, well, it's okay. I just have fears in my life. The Bible talks about those in the region of the dam. It said those that are fearful, unbelieving. So you don't want any fear. You don't want any, any unbelief. You don't want anything that has to do with the enemy. But I say that to say this. All of those sins are forgivable. You know, sometimes people are alarmed. They think that they've committed, see, the enemy lies to people. And, you know, actually in mental institutions, there are many people in mental institutions that are there thinking they've committed the unpardonable sin. Why? Because the devil, he, he loves to, to take advantage of people's ignorance and, and destroy people over that. And there are people that, that, that feel like, you know, they've committed the unpardonable sin, that this is something that, God will never forgive me of. You know, maybe they stole something. Maybe they did this. Maybe they had an affair. Maybe this happened. Maybe that happened. That is not the unpardonable sin. Every sin is forgivable. Except there is one. And, and of course, the, the unpardonable sin, that's actually what the Bible calls the sin unto death. And that can only be committed by a, a Christian, someone who is very... Um, mature in the Lord to where they get to the place where they say, I don't want him in my life anymore. And I don't, I don't mean just in a, a fit of rage or passion, but where someone knowingly and willingly denies Jesus. But if you want to serve God, you're safe. Here, here's the thing. People say, well, maybe I commit the unpardonable sin. If, if you ever encounter someone like that, just ask them, do you want to serve God? And many times they'll say, oh, God, yes, you know, with everything within me, then you haven't committed the unpardonable sin. Hallelujah. 
You haven't com- maybe you committed a sin, but you haven't committed the unpardonable sin. And so, actually, when you read a, that passage, one of the things it says, it says, for it's impossible for those that were once enlightened, and it, it gives you five different um, criteria for, to be that. It talks about being enlightened, and, um, and this is a whole other subject, but it talks about being enlightened. It talks about tasting of the heavenly gift, which is Jesus being born again, having the, um, tasting the good word of God, the powers of the world to come. He says, if they fall away, it's impossible to renew them again to repentance. Here's what a lot of people, they think that means that, that, you know, that God won't take me back. But no, it's impossible to get them to repent. They get to the place where they don't want to repent. See, it's not like someone misses it and they're, they're just crying out and begging God to forgive them. And God said, no, that's it. You know, I'm, I'm done with you. No, no. The love of God. I don't care how far you've gone. I don't care how far you've fallen. I don't care how, how the depths of sin. If you cry out and say, God, forgive me. Have mercy on me. He's right there. To wash you. To cleanse you. To change you. And, and to make it to where you, though, as you've never sinned. See, that's what righteousness does. Now, I think I can run after that, too. <laughs> when you know that, that I'm cleansed. And that's why I say this often. You're either forgiven or you're not. You're either cleansed or you're not. And if you're cleansed, you're cleansed. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. But I want you to turn over to Luke chapter 15. And I want to just, I want to see the Father God and paint a picture of who he is and his goodness in our life. Now, this is what we call the prodigal son. But how many know it's more than just the prodigal son in this passage? Look over in Luke 15 and let's look in verse 11. He says, a certain man had two sons. Now, whenever you read the Bible and it said a certain man, that means that it was an actual person. It wasn't just a an allegory, it wasn't just a, you know, a parable. But a certain man had two sons. And the younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the portion of goods that fall, falleth to me. And he divided unto them his living. And not many days after the younger son gathered all together, he took his journey to a far country and there wasted his substance with riotous living. And when he had spent all, there arose a mighty famine in that land. And he began to be in want. And he went and joined himself to a citizen of that country, and he went, he sent him into his fields to feed swine. And he would fain have filled his belly with the husk that the swine did eat, and no man gave unto him. And when he came to himself, you know, there's there's a place and a time in life where you come to yourself. You come to your senses and you realize, you know, things are a lot better back home. He had, he had gotten him, himself into this place in this predicament. But he says, when he came to himself, he said, How many hired servants of my fathers have bread enough and to spare? And I'm out, here, I'm out here perishing with hunger. I will arise and go to my father and will say unto him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. And I'm no more worthy to be called thy son. Make me as one of thy hired servants. 
And he arose and came to his father. But when he was yet a far way off, his father saw him and had compassion and ran and fell on his neck and kissed him. And the son said unto him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and in your sight and am no more worthy to be called thy son. You know, I shared this, this example about the love of God yesterday. And there, there's a story about this one person that this son who was a little bit older in life, he, he had messed things up in life and he wanted to come back. And so he, he reached out and said, Mom and Dad, I know it's been years and I'm not even sure if you're still alive, but had written a letter to them and said, if you would take me back, if I can come and visit, then, and of course this was the days of trains, and of course I know we still have trains today, but <laughs> went, went more passenger trains, so <clears throat> he's coming by and went right by the, the homestead and the farmstead. said, you know, if, if this is... Um, if you would take me back, then just make this this scarlet, um, make this uh, like a like a rug, you know, something that you could put on a fence line. Make this so I can see it, that I'll know that it's okay. And if not, then I'll just keep passing by. So here he was expecting maybe this little little four by four thing to be there. As he comes up to the place, the whole fence line is just covered and just filled up. What is that? That's the love of God. That's that person coming to themselves saying, Father, forgive me. I've sinned against heaven. And so I want you to look, though, at what happens here. He says, I've sinned against you, against heaven and in your sight. I'm no more worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants. I mean, maybe he sees them a long way off. He says, hey. That looks like John coming down the road. <laughs> yeah, it sure does. It looks like his walk. I mean, uh, and, and you see, you know, yeah, that's, that's him. The father said, Sirs, bring forth the best robe and put it on him and put a ring on his hand and shoes on his feet. So what is that? You put that robe back on him. You think back about what Joseph, Joseph had a coat of many colors. I'm going to tell you what, when you walk in the blessing of heaven, religious people are not going to like you wearing the, the, the coat that your father gave you. That coat of righteousness, that coat. Here's the thing. God gave him that. God gave him that thing. So why would it be wrong for him to, you know, well, you know, I'm not going to wear that because other people might get jealous. Other people might... They might not like the coat of many colors. I'm not going to wear that. <clears throat> it's kind of like some people, they... Now, I'm, I'm not out here to flaunt anything. And you shouldn't do that. You shouldn't flaunt even the blessing of God. But you shouldn't be ashamed of it either. Yeah. Amen. It's just like the one, one person that, that you know, they get up and they, they preach hard against prosperity. But when they get up in the pulpit, they'll take their Rolex off and leave it in, the, in their pocket. That's being hypocritical. Amen. You either have it or you don't. <laughs> I mean, it's nothing but a watch. People say, no, it's more than a watch. It's just a watch. <clears throat> but he says here, he says, 
bring forth the best robe, put it on him, and put a ring on his hand. So he's establishing that authority back into his life. That ring establishing authority. And shoes on his feet. And bring hither the fatted calf. You know, Bessie, the one that we've been raising up. And kill it. And let us eat and be merry. For this my son was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. And they began to be merry. So what was the most important thing to this dad and this father? That his son had come home. That he was lost but now he's found. And now his elder son was in the field. And he drew nigh to the house and he heard music and dancing. Now that's some kind of party right there. When you, when you, you hear the music and you hear the dancing from a long way. You know the Bible talks about the people of God. In the Old Testament it said the noise of their praise, their worship and their, their party. He says was heard from afar off. Now I've said this humorously before. But you know. What would happen if you went to a lot of churches today, even in, in town? You wouldn't hear any sound. You could put your ear up to the window and you could listen. You wouldn't hear any sound. Maybe a, maybe a little bit of the Reader's Digest coming through every once in a while. But there's no sound of dancing. There's no sound of music. There's no sound of rejoicing. <clears throat> so he says here, and I love that verse that Vaughn brought out because that's what he says. He said, don't rejoice in the fact that you have authority. Bless God, I got authority in Jesus' name. Well, that's good. But here's what he says. He said, don't just rejoice in the fact you have authority, that you have rights and privileges. Rejoice in the fact that you're on your way to heaven. (laughs) Rejoice in the fact your name's written in heaven. But notice here, here's this elder brother. And this is typical of many people in the church. Why? Because here he is. He's like, what, what's the smell of this big barbecue going on? He said, what, what's the sound of this? Hey, what, what's, what's happening over here? What's going on? Oh, your son came, your, your brother came back home today. And, and your dad killed the fatted calf. And he dressed it and we're going to have a, a, a party. And what does he do? He starts to pout. He did, he did just like Jonah did. How many remember Jonah? He, the Lord says, go and preach to these people. He went to the wrong place. You know, you, you get in trouble by going to the wrong place in life. So he went to the wrong place. <clears throat> God told him to go down here to, and preach to Nineveh. Eight words he gives them. Yet 40 days and Nineveh shall be destroyed. And these people, you know what they actually do? Is they actually repent. But you know, Jonah was mad about it. He said, Lord, I knew me, God. And I knew that you would save these people. I mean, I think he's in the... Here he is. He goes and, and, and delivers this word. Well, it's the same way as this, this younger... I mean, this older brother. The Bible says he was angry and would not go in. He would not go in. You know, there's a party going on right now. There's a Holy Ghost party, but people don't want to come to the party. He was angry, would not go in. Therefore came his father out and entreated him. Maybe maybe the father put his arm around him and said, Son, why don't you come on in here? And here this this son says, Lo. I always watch out for the low. Lo. 
It's like the Bible in the Old Testament talks about Lodabar. Watch out for anything that starts with low. That's the way to go down. He says, Lo, these many years do I serve thee, neither transgressed I at any time thy commandment. You know what it reminds me of? It reminds me of the Bible talks about the Pharisee and the publican. Do you remember that it said that the Pharisee prayed thus with himself? You know what that means to me? That means he's not really having much fellowship with God. I'm not here just to be praying thus with myself. That I'm not like others and like this publican. I give in the week and I, I tithe and I fast. And thank you, I'm not like this publican. And the Bible says the publican smote his chest and said, God have mercy, mercy on me, a sinner. And the Bible says that he went away justified rather than the other. For he that humbles himself shall be exalted, but he that exalts himself shall be abased. And so I, this is what this son did. Lord, I, I, I do all these things. And I never, I never missed it. I've done everything you told me to do, Father. And yet you never gave me a kid that I might make merry with my friends. But as soon as this thy son was come, which has devoured thy living with harlots. The Bible says that he divided his inheritance between both of them. They both got their inheritance at that time. So he never lost out on anything. He says, but he has, you have killed for him the fatty calf. So he, he's blaming the dad. And notice what the dad said. And this is what God is telling you today. He says, son or daughter, you are ever with me. And all that I have is thine. All that I have is yours. It was meet that we should make merry and be glad. For this thy brother was dead and is alive again and was lost and is found. That's what the word of God gives you today. All that I have is yours. All that I have is thine. I don't have to beg for it. I don't have to cry for it. I don't have to promise I'm going to do better. Thank God for doing better. But you don't have to just, oh, you know how many times you hear people, God, if you get me out of this. The Bible says, watch out if you vow a thing and you don't pay that vow. Be careful about just vowing something. Lord, I vow that I'm going to do this. There's nothing wrong with that. I've done that many times. But make sure you're serious about it. Lord, if you get me out of this, I promise I'll never do it again. And then the, then the next week, the same thing. <laughs> then the next week, the same thing. <laughs> but all that I have is yours. And so he says that he was alive again. He was lost. And now is found. I want you to turn over as we <clears throat> look at 1 John chapter 3. Thank you, Lord. Say it again. Love loves me. Amen. You know, there's, there's no greater revelation when you get to heaven than know that God loves you. You know, 
I don't know about you, but if I've heard many different stories about people who've encountered heaven. They've encountered Jesus. And you, you hear people talking about different things. But it always comes back to this. I don't care if they were in an operating room or, or and they died or what have you. You always hear two things. I saw this light. Well, who do you think that light is? <laughs> the Bible says God is light. And in him there is no darkness at all. And so you always hear people say that, and then you hear people say this, I felt this love. I, I felt this peace that I've never felt before. What's that? The presence of God. You don't hear people say, well, you know, boy, the grapes sure look good there. Maybe the Lord shows them those kind of things, but it wasn't just about that. It's all about the love of God. I remember hearing uh, Brother Jesse DePlanis talk about his encounter Back in 1988, he went to see uh, to heaven and, and spent time. Uh, how many know these things happen in the Bible? And these things can happen, what the Bible called grant, uh, divinely granted visitations. And so we know that these things happen today. But anyway, always compare it to what the Bible says, of course. But Brother Jesse was, was there, and he said that he, um, he would see that all this activity going on in heaven. But he got to this one place and they said, he's coming. He's coming. And they're talking about Jesus was on the way and how all the people just, it was all about him. You know, it was all about the presence of God. But anyway, he, one of the things he talked about was getting close to the throne of God. And he said, you know, I couldn't look on the, look, look on him. Just like the Bible says. But anyway, he says he, he's there and he sees Jesus and he says, he says he sees Jesus go into that light, and then he comes out. He says they're one, but, but they're two, but they're one. You know, the Trinity, we look at the Trinity like this, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. They are one in, in mind, purpose, but they're actually three individual persons. You know, some people believe in, the, in, in just the oneness, that Jesus only. But there's more than Jesus. There's the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. And so, here's what happened, though. He said that, that Jesus walked back into that light. He said the thing that, that, that got him more than anything else, he said to see him love his Son. He says beyond anything else that you've ever seen. What was he talking about? Just that oneness. Just that that, that closeness, that unity. And so that's, that's what we're talking about. We're talking about that same love, that same love that he loved us. The Bible says the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Ghost. And so there's nothing greater than just experiencing that love. One million years from now, I don't care what your revelation is, the most important thing is God loves me. This I know, for the Bible tells me so. But look over in 1 John chapter 3. And we're going to finish up in 1 John sometime today. Verse 10. 1 John 3, verse 10. In this the children of God are manifest, and the children of the devil. Whosoever doeth not righteousness is not of God, neither he that loveth not his brother. For this is the message that you heard from the beginning, that we should love one another. 
not as Cain, who was of that wicked one, and slew his brother. And wherefore slew he him? Because his own works were evil, and his brother's righteous. Marvel not, my brethren, if the world hates you. We know that we have passed from death unto life, because we love the brethren. He that loveth not his brother abides in death. Whosoever hates his brother is a murderer, and you know that no murderer hath eternal life abiding in him. Hereby perceive we the love of God because he laid down his life for us, and we ought to lay down our lives for the brethren. But whoso hath this world's good and sees his brother have need and shuts up his bowels of compassion from him, how dwells the love of God in him? You know, we see that in the book of James. What, what if you just see somebody in need and you just say, brother, be warmed and filled. But you don't give him the things he needs. He says, my little children, let us not love in word, neither in tongue, but in deed and in truth. And hereby we know that we are of the truth and shall assure our hearts before him. For if our heart condemn us, God is greater than our heart and knows all things. So that's why you always want to run to God and not away from him. Always run to him. It, you know, I've shared this before. The Bible says if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Do you know that that confession of sin is for your sake, not for God's? Even though it is for his sake that he can bless you and that he can uh, cleanse you and, and, and do things in your life. But here's the thing. It's, I heard Kenneth Copeland say this one time. He said that the Lord told him and said, he said, Kenneth, when you confess that sin is not when I found out about it. I mean, he already knew that you made a mistake. So that's not when he, God found out about it. Lord, I, I did this. Are you for real? What? I, I can't believe you would even do that. No, God says, okay. But what, what happens is when you confess it, that's when you get rid of it. That's when you expel it from your life. That's why we confess our sins. That's, uh, what is it? Proverbs 28 13 or so right in there, it says, he that confesses and forsaketh them shall have mercy. If you, if you hide your sins, you're not going to prosper, but whosoever confesses and forsakes them shall have mercy. And then look over in on 1 John chapter 4 and verse 7. God loves me. For there are three that bear record in heaven, the Father, the Word, and the Holy Ghost, and these three are one. Skip down to on verse 11. And this is the record that, that God has given us. I'm sorry, I'm in the wrong chapter, but that's good anyway. Um, chapter 4, verse 7. Beloved, let us love one another, for love is of God, and everyone that loveth is born of God and knows God. He that loveth not knows not God. See, that's one way you can tell how good you know God, is if you let the love commandment dominate your life. For God is love. In this was manifested the love of God toward us because that God sent his only begotten son into the world that we might live through him. Herein is love, not that we love God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. Beloved, if God so loved us, we ought also to love one another. No man has seen God at any time. If we love one another, God dwells in us and his love is perfected in us. Hereby know we that we dwell in him and he in us because he's given us of his spirit. And we have seen and do testify that the father sent the son to be the savior of the world. 
Whosoever shall confess that Jesus is the Son of God, God dwells in him, and he in God. And we have known and believed the love. But see, notice what John says. We don't just believe in God, we believe in love. We have believed the love that God hath to us. God is love, and he that dwells in love dwells in God, and God in him. Herein is our love made perfect. See, I don't know about you, I haven't arrived yet. My love has not been made perfect or mature, but, but what we do? We keep pressing towards the mark. Herein is our love made perfect that we may have boldness in the day of judgment. Because as he is, so are we in this world. There is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear. Because fear hath torment. Now, some people look at that and they, they only apply it to this, of me loving other people. But when you, when you love God and you know that God loves you, you let that love dominate you from him, then there's not going to be any fear. Why? Because fear has torment. He that feareth is not made perfect in love. We love him because he first loved us. If a man say, I love God and hates his brother, he is a liar. For he that loves not his brother whom he hath seen, how can he love God whom he hath not seen? And this commandment have we from him, that he who loveth God love his brother also. Hallelujah. May the Lord bless the reading of his word. <laughs> but the, the, the greatest revelation that, that I can have is that God loves me. And that I'm going to... What, what are the two greatest commandments Jesus said? He said... Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your mind, with all your strength. How many know that's a full-time job? I love him with all this within me. And love your neighbor as yourself. And he goes on to say, he says, all of the law of the prophets hang on these two. So all, and, and one of the other um, writers, one of the other gospel accounts says this talks about how that, that when you walk in that, it's greater than all burnt offerings. For what does God require? More than any other thing. God's not looking for you to do some great thing, some big sacrifice. He wants you to love him and to love other people. For you to get the revelation that God loves me. That God's not out to get me. That I'm not condemned. I don't care what you've done in your past. God's not holding that against you. What do you have to do? Confess it. God, forgive me. God, wash me. God, cleanse me. Do a work on the inside of me. Amen. And you know what he does? He takes, he takes that blood and he washes you. He cleanses you. And what, what does the Bible say? From all unrighteousness. So if he cleanses you from all unrighteousness, what's left? Righteousness. Righteousness means the ability to stand in the presence of God without sin, without guilt, as if it never existed. So you could come over and say, you know, Pastor, I, I heard what you did um, when you were 12 years old. You know what I'd say? I, I might could remember something in my mind, but I choose to remember the fact that, you know what? That was an old man. The old man is crucified I'm washed, I'm cleansed, and thank you, Lord.
just keep this before you. It wouldn't hurt you at all this whole week just to look in the mirror and say, God loves me. God loves me. John G. Lake, he used to look in the mirror and say, God lives in that man. <laughs> God lives in that man. And you look and see what he did in life. He had the realization, just like Wigglesworth, that I'm a thousand times bigger on the inside. That greater is he that is within me than he that is in the world. The greater one. The greater one. So when the devil tries to tempt you and, and ask you what, you know, what you're going to do, and you just tell him the greater one. The greater one. Put it, learn to put him to work in your life this week. Put the greater one to work. How do you do that? By acknowledging him. By saying, God, you're greater. And, and then you just act like it. You don't get intimidated. You don't back down. I'm not just talking about with people. I'm talking about with the enemy. You know, you don't just, bless God, in the name of Jesus, I know my rights, and just start shaking somebody. You know, you don't, <laughs> you don't do that. But, but you, at the same time, you, you, you can know. When someone's acting the fool, you just say, thank God, you know, on the inside of you, greater is he that's within me than the hatred that's in them. Greater is he that's within me than... The, uh, the, the envy that's in them. Greater is he that's within me than whatever, whatever you're dealing with. Can you say amen? See, that's, that's acting on the word. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Father, we just thank you today for your word, and we thank you for, for your people today. We thank you for your anointing. We thank you, Lord, for the blood of Jesus that's washed us and cleansed us and sanctified us. We thank you, Lord, that that blood still cries out today. And that blood still speaks awesome things today. We thank you for it that, Lord, we can stand before you cleansed because of your love for us. Lord, we don't take for granted your love. Lord, we don't presume upon your mercy today, but we thank you for your mercy. Lord, that 2,000 years ago you paid the price. That we could be...